everyone, and welcome to another exciting edition of the Great American Senior Show. I'm your gray-haired host, Sam Yates, and today I am fortunate enough to be going heart-to-heart with Juan Gallo. And uh, Juan is a a very special person uh, because we are at the headquarters with that heart-to-heart mentioned a moment ago for Heart-to-Heart South Florida Outreach. Uh, Juan is the CEO and Executive Director. Juan, welcome to the program. Thank you, Sam. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I want to know a little bit about you. I think as any time that uh, the Great American Senior Show goes on the road, building that relationship with our audiences is very, very important. Tell us about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, just to give a a brief recap on my past, I was born in South America, Colombia. Grew up here in Florida since the age of five. And I lived in the Tri-County area, so Miami-Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach County. Um, I have a master's degree in counseling and psychology, and I am an ordained minister. Um, However, I've mostly worked in the secular world or just the corporate world and been in the medical field for about 15 years. Uh, Before Heart to Heart, I uh, ran Medicaid state programs for the state of Florida and North Carolina, um, and and worked with you know uh, uh, what we call self-directed company out of Michigan, fifth largest FEA uh, out of Michigan. And for the last three years, I've been here, Heart to Heart Outreach of South Florida. And I found out about Heart to Heart through the Elder Services Resource Network. I'm very fortunate to uh, be a member of their board of directors. And uh, as I think we were looking at, at an application, perhaps, from uh, your organization. And awesome. the more I read, the more I investigated, and the more I said, wow. These people are making a big difference. Well, thank so you. So I reached out right away. Tell us about Heart to Heart. Yeah, Heart to Heart was founded 12 years ago by a gentleman named Sean Steepleton. He's one of the trustees of uh, the Stacy Foundation, which is a uh, very well-known philanthropic family here uh, in Fort Lauderdale. Um, but Sean played college football, and in one of his summers, Back home, he interned at a Ralph Marinson ALF, which which is a, a local owner of an assisted living facility here. And so the way Sean would tell the story is that he was surprised, right, that when he left, that so many of the seniors were, some were crying to see him go back, you know. And uh, it really kind of stuck with him, the whole experience. So when he when he graduated college, he said, you know, what's a good business for me to get into? In South Florida, having such a high senior population, he thought about seniors. But soon after, that business plan became more of a passion and became more of a philanthropic. And so we've been around for 12 years. And we have what we call a uh, social-emotional model of care. And CARE is our acronym uh, for how we serve, which I'm sure you know we'll get into uh, more later. But that's, that's the brief history. And indeed, we are going to get into what that care means. And and it is an acronym, and uh, folks can be sort of guessing as we build up (laughs) to it. But uh, the story you were just telling uh, was a people story. And the more that I find out about Heart to Heart, I find that people, capitalized, underlined, double scored, is what it's all about. Absolutely. Yeah, we actually have... What we call in our motto of care is is that we, although we serve 
so many seniors every year. You know, for example, last year we served about 2,400 seniors. Uh, our most important number is one. Uh, so that individual person, that individual relationship from volunteer to person. Um, so there really is kind of that person-centered focus, and it is about people. With that thought, uh, and, and I could do the statistics, and I, I think our audience is very familiar because I talk about it all the time, 10,000 people become senior citizens a day. A day, yeah. A day. And, and that's some staggering numbers if you think about uh, having 60 million-plus senior citizens here mm -hmm. in America. Uh, isolation kills. We found that out during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. But many times our seniors are alone, isolated, afraid, and no one comes knocking on their door until it's someone from your organization. Yeah, absolutely. One of the, I mean, the, the one of the things that I think has changed even our perspective, although we knew that isolation was a silent killer, you know, the pandemic really highlighted that in so many ways. Um, before the pandemic, our flagship program was to visit people, mostly seniors. And I say mostly seniors because a lot of, there's different types of centers that we go to. We call them care centers. Um, and there's a little bit of a learning curve there. There are people in care centers that are not necessarily seniors because it could be a long-term care center. Um, but the statistic that we use the most is that anywhere between 60 to 65% of a person, of people who live in a nursing home or, or a care center of sorts, will never receive a visitor from a friend or a loved one ever again once they're placed in, in, in one of these facilities. And we don't like to use the word institutionalize, but uh, I have people ask me, why are the doors locked? Why are they locked in? Hmm. And there, there are reasons for that. I mean, it could be a, a memory care facility where you don't want someone wandering away. But uh, in, in many cases, uh, your statistics point to a, a very uh, troubling thing, that they are alone. And w w without... Yeah. Someone like your organization, uh, they continue to be alone. Yeah, and I, and I think you're right. I think there's a historical sense to that word. We went from institutionalized, describing people with developmental disabilities to describing seniors in, in places. And then we went to a brick and mortar type of verbiage. And now, for sure, there are justifications for lock-ins when we're talking about memory cares, right, dementia, um, and, and Alzheimer's and some of the, a lot of the centers that we visit will have both in. Um, so it'll, you know, you'll go to one section that seemingly seems more open and then to another section where you'll need a, a keypad. Um, and, and, and to that reason, my, my professional opinion is that thankfully, I think that, um, we're going to see less and less brick and mortar buildings in the future. Uh, even though we are having more seniors retire daily, what's happening is in 2018, um, our Medicaid or Center for Medicaid Services, federal fund, they use more than 50% of their budget to allocate towards home community-based services. And that's the first time that that's ever happened in the history. So we are seeing where more funds are going towards keeping people at home. And it is the majority of the people now. So there's some hope there, too. Um, I think you'll still have always that brick-and-mortar building, but 
there's some hope that there won't be as many in the future. And we are seeing a lot of federal <coughs> funds in the pipeline, even more so uh, in the federal pipeline uh, post-COVID mm-hmm. uh, for that aging in place component. I, I work uh, actively with quite a number of builders associations. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of my missions in working with them is to say, Mr. Builder, uh, you don't necessarily need to be building totally for the millennials and others. We have an aging population. They may have their own home, Absolutely. but they need to have that home modified so that they can mm. age gracefully in place. That's great. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> aging grace, uh, aging in place and, and graciously, we call aging in dignity is a Actually, um, just taught a course at Trinity International University as an adjunct professor. They, they've asked me to write a course on aging and dignity. And what we did was we took the idea of aging and dignity and, and, and blended it with the idea of diversity, specifically in South Florida, and how that affects different uh, race groups, different culture groups, uh, different religious groups amongst the elderly, and even the hot topic now, uh, the LGBTQ seniors. Because we're seeing a lot more of that now. And how do we serve them in a way that would dignify how they age? Knowing that you're going to be doing that, rest assured, you're going to hear me knocking on your door to, <laughs> to insert some of that expertise into the various builders associations yeah, as well. I, yeah, I don't know. And, and it's definitely not, you know, for us, we're a faith-based organization. So, um, you know, for, for us, even saying that out loud, right, for some people, it's a bit of a shock. Um, but the message that we would want to communicate is that we think everyone um, should have the ability and, and the right to, to live and age how they should, right? Regardless of you know who they are and what they believe. And we're just there to, to, to help them and serve them the best way we can. We're all people, and I like to use the word now because it's going to segue in. We are all people, and we should all care. Absolutely. Let's talk about care. Sure. Yeah, care is so if you look at our, our, our vision, our vision is to provide hope, share love and restore purpose to the aging population. But the way we do that, which is our mission, is that we do that by mobilizing volunteers to care. And so care is connect, advocate, respond and engage. And that is our social emotional model of care. Some people would even say social emotional spiritual model of care. Um, and the way we do that is we connect churches to people, right? Connect, connect churches to seniors, um, connect people in the church to seniors. We advocate on behalf of the seniors. So we have a person centered model of care, which means that when we go to a senior's home or when we talk to a senior on an iPad or when we go to see them in person, we don't just assume that, you know, that they want to play bingo or get a haircut or get their nails done, but rather, hey, how can we, how can we spend time with you today or how can we help you today or, or do you even want us here, right? The other thing is that we respond. We respond to the need of everyday seniors. Um, we, we try to stay on top of um, what's needed the most. So through the pandemic, it was a catastrophic time for seniors, and it kind of still is. So we're responding um, in two ways. We're responding to the immediate need, and we're responding to the sustainable need long term, right? And and I think that uh, seeing when I walk into the office here and I see your staff wearing the T-shirt with care on it, mm-hmm. it is something that they believe right to the core. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's something that we've integrated into everything we do. 
Um, we live and breathe care. Um, it's definitely part of our, you know, of our of our ethical values, and you know, it's something that we, you know, it's just it's a com it's a hot word, right? In the yes. office, we have the yes. t-shirts, we have everything in our website talks about it. Our all of our volunteers know, um, and and a lot of what we do too. So to give you just kind of a a one off, you know, we have what we call care bears. You know, so so everything we everything we do, we try to you know we try to you know incorporate that idea. So we have little teddy bears that we take to to places as kind of like an arts and craft uh, for families and uh, some church or even some companies to get involved. That they're not really sure if they can go to a care center um, because they don't know what that would be like, or maybe a care center shut down. Um, so we have them stuffed bears. But then the bears will have like T-shirts that we put over them, and they'll have little hearts, and they'll say "care." And so we call them Care Bears. So it's definitely a part of our of our DNA. It's a wonderful program, but it takes volunteers. I know mm-hmm. that when I look at any organization that does what you are doing, or they attempt to do it, mm-hmm. they can't do it without volunteers. How do you get your volunteers? That's a great question. We are primarily a volunteer driven organization to that end we are a staff of five which you met and we also partner with local entities like in this case career source broward who have given us an additional two employees for the summer um, and they'll work 30 hours a week for the next two months so right now we're a staff of seven Um, but on a given year we will uh, train about 200 volunteers but seven Hundred between seven and eight hundred volunteers will pass through our doors, and what that means is that two hundred of them have been specifically trained by us. They've gone through the fingerprint process, but the others are people who have either dropped something off at a center, who have volunteered with us but haven't gone through the through the full gamut of that, or maybe they've been a part of maybe a Christmas caroling. Um, now, the way we uh, recruit and retain our volunteers is that we go to different churches, we go to small businesses and large businesses, and we tell them about the needs, so we educate, um, and then we recruit from there. Um, and we work, I, I would say primarily um, churches and youth right now are our biggest kind of funnel of volunteers. Well, we hope that you share this program with as many of those people as you can Absolutely. so they get a, a better understanding. But if someone right now is listening and they understand, wow, this is something important, how can they contact you? Oh, that's great. We've made it so simple. Um, right in the beginning of the pandemic, we realized that with the amount of volunteers that we trained, there was no way <laughs> that we were going to be able to keep doing this safely while social distancing um, just because of the many shutdowns that were happening. Plus, we also realized that, you know, this type of program and what we do could be scaled on such a large level that it can really be done anywhere, right? In the United States uh, with, you know, under the covering of Heart to Heart. That's what we would hope. Um, so what we did was we added a portal on our website. So if you go to Heart, the number two, Heart to Heart, Outreach.org, and you look at the top right-hand part of our webpage, it's nice and big for you in bold letters, and it just says log in or sign up. And really, if you wanted to volunteer with us right now, and let's say you're in Orlando or Tallahassee or even South Florida, you would just go in there, and it would take you through three simple steps. One, you would fill out a volunteer application. 
Two, you would go through our training. So there's about 10 to 12 one minute, one minute and a half videos. Then we do a little quiz at the end to make sure that you, you know, you paid attention uh, through it all. And then the third thing is it would have you set up an appointment for fingerprints. And just like that, you've become a volunteer. Amazing. So if you're listening right now, please go to the website, hearttoheartoutreach.org. And upper right-hand corner, log in if you're a member, but more importantly, sign up. Yeah. to become a volunteer Same. and uh, and the, then the outreach can be multiplied and and all of those that do it you become literally an ambassador to That's our it. seniors and others who need care because there are others out there and, and to that end effect uh, I know that you have volunteers and you have a board of directors what about people who want to financially support you yeah, financially support. There's a couple different ways. Obviously, you know, we, us being a 501c3, we solely depend on the, you know, generosity of people. And um, the, the, the bulk of how we are funded are by private donors. So we definitely have some, some grant funding uh, for some of our big programs, but we really depend on, on you, the people, right? The, the, the people who are in the community funding. So there's, there's a couple ways. You can go right to our website. Our website is what we call SSL Secured. And we have some other ways that you can give. Uh, we have something called Harness. Anyways, the, the website makes it very easy for you. It has a floating donate button. But, to understand that better, one of the ways that you can give is what we call the 411 campaign. So we call it uh, four seniors, one cause, right, for one person, and that cause is to serve seniors. So we believe that if we can get a huge number of people, right, our first kind of goal is, is 100 people giving $4 a month. Right for one senior, one purpose, and that is to obviously, you know, minimize isolation. Um, that we can we can do a lot more. So what this happens is is it goes into a fund, and when there's what we call one-offs, I'll give you an example. A few months ago, we were in a care center, and we met a gentleman who was in his seventies, only spoke Spanish, uh, was here from I believe Venezuela, and his name was Guillermo. And thankfully, I was there visiting one of the directors, and they said, can you help us translate? I speak Spanish. And I noticed that he was not wearing any shoes. And I said, this is odd. Why isn't he wearing shoes? And they said, well, he came here this way. Um, this is a more of a lower income center. And, um, you know, so anyways, I, I spoke to Guillermo in Spanish. And to make a long story short, he needed shoes, right? So I was able to come back to the office. You know, uh, we had funds in the 411 uh, initiative and went to the store, bought him some shoes. And this man was so grateful. Tears, tears in his eyes. Um, and it just turns out that he lost his other shoes in transport and they were working on trying to get him some more. But, you know, a lot of care centers aren't set up to buy certain things for, right. for people, right? right? They come in with what they have and there's a certain budget or a fund um, and then this gentleman was just alone with no family. And, and you also help with food for mm -hmm. those who are going hungry. Absolutely. You know, one of the things that, um, you know, the pandemic really highlighted was the ability for people to leave their home, even if they have the money to get food. There's a lot of people who 
who have the money and, and are isolated and can't leave. Maybe they're vulnerable. Maybe it's dangerous for them. There's so many different situations. And then there are people who meet both of those criteria. Not only can they not leave, but they're low on funds to get money or low on funds to get healthy food. So what we did was we spoke to um, a local foundation called Strike Force. We applied for a grant and they said we'd really love it if you kind of collaborated with another, you know, one of the philanthropic people in the community. So we called John Offerdahl, who's a retired Miami Dolphins player and, <laughs> and, a, and a good friend. And he's just been amazing. And he owns Offerdahl's Off the Grill. And so we are now delivering for the next 10 months to 50 seniors, 10,000 meals. I know it sounds like 10,000 is a lot, but it's for 10 months. So it's five meals uh, for every senior, uh, five days a week for the next 10 months. And the best part about this meal program is the meal's important, but it's really a way for us to knock on a senior's door, bring him the meal, and then not just drop it off, ask a few questions. And what we do is we go through the UCLA loneliness scale. So it's three questions. And depending on how lonely that senior is, we prioritize follow-up visits. And so that meal turns really into an opportunity to come back and say, hey, you know, how, how was that meal? The other part about the meal program, Food for Hope, is that um, they are fresh meals. They're freshly made. They're healthy. Um, and that's important for our seniors as well. A little birdie told me you also have a food <clears throat> fund challenge. Yes. Yes, we, yeah. we do have a food fund challenge. So the, the grant... Uh, that we received was for $69,000. And unfortunately, uh, with the inflation, especially here in South Florida, being the most expensive state to live in right now in many various different ways, uh, that price, so we, we were we were funded at 69000 but we really need $99,000 uh, to run this program. And so, yeah, so we have a donor that has said, you got a, you got a gap of $30,000. We're willing to put up 15. And so we're asking, you know, some people, maybe one or maybe a multiple amount of people to step in and say, hey, we'll, we'll do this. Amazing that uh, we have such reach out into the community. And one of the things, and, and I'm running a little short on time, so I have to ask, That's fine. can you come back again in the future? Absolutely. Great. <laughs> I would love to. Great. Yes. Uh, iPads. iPads, yes. Okay. iPads is somewhat of an unfolding story still. <laughs> In the pandemic, we uh we we went to the store immediately when the governor, you know, shut down visitation, rightfully so, uh to protect our seniors. We said, you know, what's the best way for us to get in? We called a couple of care centers. They said, we said, how can we help? Some of them said virtual reality. Some of them said headphones. But most of them said, if you can somehow get them to see their family and your volunteers to FaceTime, we said, great. So, you know, called Apple. Apple was expensive. You know, we went to Best Buy, me and one of our board members who's a friend. And uh, we said, how many, how many, uh, you know, Amazon Fire HD tablets that you have? And they said, well, you know, we might have 60 in stock. Great. Give, give us 60, you know. And then we went home and Eddie and my kids sat there manually programming them. <laughs> we got some donors uh, to, to pitch in. And the next thing you know, we have uh, distributed 150 tablets. And then earlier, actually late last year, 
towards the end of last year, we got a phone call from a foundation who was very generous and said, how can you step this up? And we said, we can do iPads. Great. So, but the iPad is really unfolding because what we're doing with the iPad is something that has not been done yet. And I can't, I can't say too much about how they're going to showcase it, but it will be showcased on a national digital technology conference later on this year. But basically what we've done is we've taken 250 iPads. We've locked them down completely. We've, uh, uploaded them with, uh, with different apps. But the coolest part about it is, is that we've worked with two other companies called BFA and Jamf, um, and Apple. And we've bypassed the Zoom protocol on the back end of Zoom so that a senior, all they need to do is know a phone number or an email, which most of them do. And if you have the Zoom app on your phone, they can call you directly. And what will happen is you'll get a text message or an email that says, a senior's waiting to talk to you. Connect now. And if you click on that, it'll automatically pop up like a Zoom FaceTime without sending any links, taking the guesswork out for you and for the senior. The best thing is it's HIPAA compliant. And so it can be used by multiple seniors. All they have to do is shut the iPad off. It resets completely, erases all the information that's on there, and it automatically reconnects and it connects to the Wi-Fi almost as if it was your iPad the whole time. I have an idea. I'm not going to share it with our audience. I'll share it with you offline Mm -hmm. uh, because I know that uh, what you're talking about also has some components that we will not share now. But uh, I'll share a thought with you if you will share with me when it is an opportunity to do so more details of that. Absolutely, yeah. And for us, the, you know, the details are, are very forthcoming. Yep. Um, but for the technology company, yes. they actually yes. said to us that they tried doing this sometime back in Georgia through another organization and didn't quite launch. Uh, but thankfully, we have the funding. We have the iPads. They have been distributed. Almost all of them have. And uh, we are starting to make connections already. So it's amazing. Amazing. Well, I mentioned that uh, we were running tight on time. One more uh, opportunity for people to reach out and make contact with you. How can they do that? Yeah, they can call the office directly, uh, 954-315-2218. They can go right to our website and communicate with us through there by filling out uh, a form. Or they can just write us an email at info at heart to the number two, heart to heart outreach.org Juan Gallo CEO Executive Director heart to heart outreach.org and we urge everyone to reach out and touch base with you and become part of this amazing amazing uh, program that is making a difference in the senior community do that today thank you for being here with us thank you Sam we appreciate it and we look forward to having Juan back in the future in the meantime until our next episode I'm Sam Yates, your gray-haired host of the Great American Senior Show, and that's the way our program ends. Thank you. <laughs>